Are you guys good this morning? Thank you, Pastor Dick. Seriously, I know a lot of you, you don't get the privilege of, or maybe you haven't gotten the privilege because he retired just this past year, but kind of retired a couple of years ago, even from the teaching team. And we're sitting on your shoulders. Honestly, we talk a lot about um, sacrifice in the church and what steps can you sacrifice moving forward. And all of us in this room are sitting in his sacrifice. When you think about like legacy and and what you're doing. And so my challenge for us today, I'm not going to preach long and this isn't what I'm talking about, but what legacy can you begin to write in your story that can leave lasting seats for people to sit in? Think about that. And so we've been in this sermon series called The Unforced Rhythms of Grace. It's kind of, you know, we, we talked about it last week in the panel, just how walking with Jesus should be unforced. That's not my story. My story growing up in the church was very forced, was very frustrated. And I, I love how Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30 say it in the message version. It, it, they'll be on the screens behind me. It, it says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, come to Jesus, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. This is where the sermon series came from. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love how the NIV says it. It says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In verse 30, it says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's a scripture verse that we talk about. That's a scripture verse that we're going to remind you throughout the whole month of January. But if we're honest, oftentimes the Christian faith is not easy and light. And so here's my challenge. If it is hard and heavy for you, this is where God has been uh, challenging me over the last five years, is maybe that we're carrying something we're not supposed to carry. I was at this round table in Oklahoma. There was about 18 leaders, and myself and Pastor Shanik and Pastor Reg, when he was here, we flew down to Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're, we're sitting in this round table. Uh, some famous preachers, others not so much, and one of my favorite preachers of all time, he's this guy by the name of Tony Fitzgerald. He's real tall, and he's from Australia. So when he speaks, it's commanding. And I was going to mock his, uh, what do you call it, accent, but when I try to mock my wife's Ukrainian accent, she says I sound like Borat. So, and if you're laughing, there's where all the heathens are, because they know what, what we're in this room, and uh, he stands up and he said something. 2017, he stood something, and, and it has changed my life. You, you ever you ever go somewhere and you weren't you didn't have a high expectation, and then somebody says something and you're like, I'm here for that one thing. He said he said this quote. He said. Why does everything in American culture have to go somewhere? Why can't we just be? And for an achiever and an accomplisher, I got to be honest, my biggest frustration in my faith with Jesus, where I am in forced rhythms of life, is when I'm trying to do all these things that I think that I have to do, try to achieve all these things that I want to achieve, some very good, some not so much, and, and I just want to be an accomplished human being, right? We, we get this weird facade as Americans starting in like grade 10, right? Grade 10 is where, you know, you start, are you studying for the ACT or the SAT? 
Do you know what you want to do with your life? Do you know what college you want to go to? Do you want to go to trade school? Are you, are you figuring out what you want to do with your life? Do you want to just quit school altogether and start making money right away as a 19-year-old? And are you going to make six figures? Because that's the goal, right? Making six figures as if that's the standard. And all of a sudden, we put these pressures on ourselves that create forced rhythms of life. And then once you get to school or trade school or you start your job, it's like, okay, in the church, we always talk about if you're single, then you're not doing something right, right? As if singleness is a bad thing. Oh, come on. And then it's like, okay, we got to get married. And then once we got married, it's like, hey, when are you having kids? And all of a sudden, we put this pressure on couples, and you don't even know their story. They might not even be able to get pregnant. They might not even want kids, and we have to be okay with that because it's not your life. And all of a sudden, we put these pressures, and then it's like, okay, can you afford these kids? Because, gosh dang it, kids are expensive. It's like, what are we doing with our lives? I would be so rich without kids. And those are parents that are laughing. And then it's like, have I accomplished everything I want to accomplish in my job? And is this job even part of my purpose? And am I even supposed to be here? And then, we, then we're... Then we're 30, 40 years old, and we're like, we can't change jobs now because I've worked up. What, what have you worked up? And all of a sudden, we put this pressure, and everything in life is structured or forced, and it's not very free. And so when Tony Fitzgerald said, why does everything have to go somewhere? Why can't we just be? That, 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 that caused my spirit to break. And be, the word be, became the transition for me personally that allowed me to sit in the unforced rhythms of grace. So much so, if, if you notice on my hand, I literally have it tatted. So even when I've got long sleeves, I can still see it. It's written in my daughter's handwriting because it's been something for me that has been so emotionally driven around am I being? Because we're called human beings, not human doers. And I promise you, if you can understand this brief shift It can transform everything in your life to actually enjoy your Christian walk and enjoy your relationships because we're far too worried about doing that we miss being. Three simple things that where God has has challenged me is, number one is be present. Man, in our digital age, I'm not present. The, the focus update on the new Apple um, updates has been the greatest gift for me because when I put my phone on silence and I'm in a meeting and I feel the buzz in my pants, guess where my mind just went? To my phone. When I'm with my kids, I find myself scrolling on TikTok for hours instead of being present with my kids. I wonder where the shift would become necessary in your life if you would just be present. The second one was be satisfied. Man, as, as a doer and as an accomplisher, man, I'm rarely satisfied and I rarely celebrate the baby steps. Do you relate with, with this at all? Like, okay, I've accomplished this much. I'm 34 years old. I've already accomplished a lot of things that are amazing. And and for me, they're never good enough because I'm trapped in this thing of, okay, I accomplished this, but who cares? What's the next thing? And I'm always thinking about the next thing that I'm never actually present and I'm never actually satisfied because I wrestle with the tension of being complacent versus being content. 
And Paul told us in the book of Philippians that contentment was the secret to everything in life. And I find myself talking about contentment, but rarely content. We don't talk about hypocrisy much in the church, so I just want to be real vulnerable that I'm one of the biggest hypocrites in here because I can challenge us on being satisfied and being present, and I'm the worst one here. And so we, we talk about our frustrations in the Christian faith, and we talk about, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to think about the unforced rhythms of grace, but oftentimes in my life I'm forced and I'm out of rhythm and it feels weird and it's exhausting, and I, I, I bet it has very little to do with anything that you believe, and it has everything to do with you not being. The unforced rhythms of grace happen when we be. Be present. Be satisfied. Be still. We set this alarm at 2 o'clock, 2 p.m. every day. Pastor Shanik, on our phone. It's an alarm that reminds me to focus myself. Because if you're like me, the whole day is crazy, and then 2 p.m., right? We have this thing in American culture that, like, once you hit 2 p.m., you become extremely unsuccessful, and you're just waiting till 5 if you're on your 9 to 5. And I've noticed that if I take a 60-second pause at 2 p.m., the rest of my day is almost better than the early parts of my day. Why? Because I'm focused. I'm present. I'm still. I'm still. I don't have much else to share other than hoping that that becomes something that becomes a part of your life because over the last five years, my life has shifted drastically that my walk with God is actually enjoyable because I've learned to be present. I've learned to be satisfied, and I've learned to be still. In fact, a couple of years ago, and this is how I'll close, I told you it was going to be real short and, and, and sweet, but there's, oh, let me read this story real quick for you. You ready for some scripture, other scriptures other than Matthew 11? Luke 19, there's this really weird story of uh, Zacchaeus. And if you were in Bible school you, or Bible studies stuff, Sunday school, they talk about Zacchaeus. He was a wee old man. Whatever. Luke chapter 19, it, there's only, it's only nine small verses, one through eight. It says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was short, and he could not see over the crowd. I relate to this guy a lot. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Verse 6, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Verse 8, this is where it's really weird. I could preach this sermon four different ways and they would all be amazing. And I've skipped over a lot of parts because I wanted to get to this part. Verse 8, it says this, but Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possession back to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Here's what's frustrating about this story. Okay, Zacchaeus, this, this short guy, right, he's a tax collector, which means he's, he's balling, okay? This dude is rich. He might be short, but he's probably got like tens by his side. You know what that means? Because he paid for them. 
Some of you are going to get that on your way home. He's rich, but he ain't worried because he's rich. And when you're rich, you can buy friends and buy women. I'm not encouraging that. I'm just telling the, the facts, telling the details. So he's short, so he can't see. He climbs up a tree, and Jesus comes to him. He's like, I got to come to your house. And then all the, the people are like ticked off because he goes to be with a sinner. Shocking, right? Because you know what I want Jesus or the writer of, of Matthew to tell us about Jesus in this moment? I want the conversation recorded that he had with Zacchaeus in his house. Because Jesus gets to the tree, tells Zacchaeus to come down. Hey, I'm coming to eat at your house. All the people around are ticked off because he's going to Jesus' house. And then verse 8, it says, it, it, it talks about Zacchaeus' change. But it doesn't tell us the conversation that happened. It doesn't talk about the walk to Zacchaeus' house. It doesn't talk about the meal. And in Jewish culture, the meals were like hours long. So whatever happened in the recording of the book of Matthew, they leave out all of the good, juicy details. They just tell you the result. And you know why we want the details? Because we want to be told what to do. Because we're unsatisfied with being. Man, if Jesus would just tell me what to do in this season, if Jesus would tell me how to act in this season, if the pastor would just tell me the things that I need to do, give me the secret sauce to a successful, busy life. And we aren't given any of that. Why? Because Jesus is less concerned about your doing and more concerned about your being. And I promise you, if you want to ride in the unforced rhythms of grace, we have to learn how to be. We uh, are going on our high school winter retreat in a couple, um, couple weeks. It's my favorite thing we do in the student ministry. And I wrote this, this blog post a couple years ago after our trip, and this is how I'm going to close. Uh, Tim, if you're back there, come out and make this reading look beautiful. Don't, don't lose, okay? I'm, I'm almost done. I'm going to read this blog. It's going to take two minutes, okay? But I want you to hear the heart behind the discussion. You good? You going to enter this? You going to let me paint this scene for you? Okay. We're sitting in the worst looking circle that a group of high schoolers could ever attempt in a log cabin on Nolan Lake. Some are on couches, some are on chairs, some sitting on the floor. We're talking about the pressures of social media and how hard it is for teenagers to be original, authentic, and secure in their identity. Social media is a great thing if stewarded properly. But for most of us, it creates anxiety and a lack of trust in our own relationships. One student called it the curtain personality as they hide behind the image that they create of themselves online. The conversation shifted, however, and in my 12 years of student ministry, I've never been this shocked. One student spoke up and they said, I guess I'm not as upset about the pressure that social media creates in me as much as I am upset about what technology has done to my family. The room went quiet. Explain, I said. She said, my family rarely sits down together to eat a meal. Another student chimed in and said, yeah, if we do sit together, no one is present and there is always someone either watching TV or on their phone. Another student said, we don't even sit in the same room when we eat. And my mom is usually watching TV while scrolling through Facebook on her computer. The conversation continued like that for 20 minutes as every single student present on the trip agreed. 
They're longing for our love and attention. And as adults, we might think our kids have an issue with their smartphone device, but let's be honest. We all do. We might not be seeking affirmation or popularity like teens are, but it might be worse as we're ignoring real-life human beings in front of us. Or we're chasing pride as we live through our kids, as we're comparing vacations with other people and what people are eating, or maybe we're just scrolling to escape, stay in the know, or just a creep. Do we lack real connection time with our kids because we abuse and are distracted by good things? Every student was wishing for some type of regular connection with their parents, and even if they're opposed to it at first, I promise you that they're longing for your attention and affirmation. When was the last time that you talked to your kids about their life without interjecting advice or disappointment? When was the last time you gave your kids a hug long enough to let them feel your embrace of love and power? It's time for us to stop blaming this next generation for the world that they live in and start creating a home filled with intentional relationships, undivided attention, and unconditional love. Why? Because we get to be. We get to be present. We get to be satisfied. We get to be still. And if that's the secret to living an unforced rhythm of grace, I promise you your life will begin to shift as you'll begin to notice things. You'll begin to see people for who they really are. And who they really are is sons and daughters of the living king who has never been disappointed or ashamed by anything that you've ever said, done, or thought. The kingdom of God is alive and active right now in you. It's time for us to start living without this burden of hard and heavy things because the gospel message of Jesus brings life to everything that we are and everything that we encounter. Can we be? Can we be? Can I challenge you in that this morning and as we leave and as we celebrate where God's going to take this church in the next year as we live in the unforced rhythms of grace, my challenge for us is that we just be and watch what God does in and through your life. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for this challenge that you've given me over the last five years, and I know it's a whole journey People aren't going to just be overnight, but if we can focus more on who you are and that everything that you do is unforced, man, would you just let us experience the freedom that only you provide as we be present, as we be satisfied, and as we be still in your love. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.